Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, also known as NARC Troopers. And that's the website where you can visit me to find tons of podcasts, articles, and even a video blog. The title of today's podcast is Killing You with Kindness. When a narcopath is the most amazing, sweet, and wonderful person that you know. Few people would describe me as sweet. I have spent my entire life trying to be a good person, and most would agree that with the exception of a couple of bad personal choices in partnering, I always act to benefit others in the best way that I can. I consistently sacrifice my own happiness for others, and I'm unselfish in my gifts of time and service, as well as financial support. I possess a working moral compass, and when I make mistakes, I am quick to acknowledge them and assume accountability and try to correct them in any way I can. I like to help others. I don't want anyone to suffer. And it hurts me to see others in pain. I would never knowingly harm another individual. And I consider myself a helper. One of the good ones, you know, with a pure heart and an earnest soul. But, but I don't always come across as particularly warm or sweet in my interactions with others. I keep my head down and I do the job that needs to be done. I roll up my sleeves and get to work. And through acts of service and devotion, I am loyal and dedicated to those that I love. I work hard and try to provide a richly textured experience for them to increase their joy and help them grow their spirit. But sweet That's really not something I have strived to cultivate or assigned much value to because in my experience, I've seen many cases where the saccharine sweet sycophants turn out to be the most sadistic and savage of them all. In spite of all that, our society seems to value this quality of sweetness They say, oh, my dear, aren't you just a sweetie pie? And stuff like, oh, he's such a sweet boy. And these kinds of things telegraph the message, that sweetness, that quality there, that it supersedes all other qualities that are valued and held in high esteem. They look up to people who are charming and cute and warm and sugary. But I think our society has made other misjudgments when it comes to prioritizing what is important and what really matters. They are easily enchanted and distracted by shiny, sparkly things. And many times it's those shiny, sparkly things that possess nothing more than a glittery facade. Strip away that sugary coating and beneath it is nothing but poison. Yeah, it's true. Um, So, ever so often, I fall prey to my curiosity 
and I break my no-contact regimen to scroll through my ex-husband's social media, Uh, who was a narcissistic sociopath. Um, I call it a narcopath. Um, He abandoned what should have been a fulfilling career in service to others as a teacher and mentor and role model. Um, And he did this only to pursue the life of a bohemian artist and drug-fueled hedonist. I guess he was trying to manifest his best self. I'm so sick of hearing that, you know. Why don't we teach people how to be selfless and how to be devoted and loyal to the people that we're supposed to love and who love us and trust us? And why don't we try to be those people instead of that constant message that we're bombarded with. You got to be your own, your best, your highest self. You know, uh, you have to um, release what doesn't serve you, what doesn't serve your highest self and your best self. You got to be your true self. Ah, fooey. I, you know, no, that's not the message we should be telling our kids. That's not the message I want to hear. They should be saying when you make a commitment to somebody to be there for them, for the rest of their life comes sickness or health, you freaking do it. And sometimes it isn't for your best higher self at the moment. Sometimes it requires sacrifice or compromise or selflessness to be a moral, decent person with integrity and honor. You know, sometimes that's required. If you run around life always searching for your best true self, then you're just a selfish twit. I just had to put that in there. Oh, sorry. I went off the track and got uh, derailed here. So back to what we're talking about. He, he abandoned what should have been a fulfilling career. Um, and, and while canvassing through these, his Instagram posts and other commentaries online, I'm just completely baffled by his ability to speak in such soft and gentle terms with such sweetness and effervescent kindness that is just bubbling and, 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 you know, putting off sparks and, and rainbows. And it's just unnerving and disconcerting for someone who knows what lives at his core. To look at the world through the lens that he provides to the world to like see him through, you know, it one it would indicate that this is a kind soul with an uncanny ability to fetter out all of the beauty in this world. You know, he's an artist. And so, um, yeah, his photographs and artwork many times consist of the most breathtaking beauty that exists around him. He has the gift of seeing all the nuanced details of a flower or a sunset or the light as it bounces off the landscape. But I have witnessed brutality and cruelty in complete opposition of how he presents himself to the world. And even more disturbing, I think he... um, I think he presents that false version to his own self. And I think he believes that he is actually what he pretends to be. 
he is actually this fragile, delicate, sweet soul with a tender heart and a beautiful spirit and pure intentions. And he just sees the whole world through the eyes of a saint and a savior. Ha! Bah! Hiss! Boo! No, this is so far, 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 far from reality. How could someone who seems so sweet and wonderful do such horrific and evil things to the people who love them and trust them? That's just not how that works. And then I think of some of the world's worst serial killers. Yep, that's what comes to mind. And cult leaders. And while some of them were scary and disturbing at first glance, many, many of them were not. Many of these dark souls were in fact quite charismatic and joyful and seductive. They were salesmen and politicians and preachers who leveraged their ability to convince others of some alternate reality in order to feed their inner beast, manipulate, exploit, discard, and repeat. Their machinations were never transparent. The evil within them never peeked out and showed itself. It remained very deep inside, hidden away, well concealed. Think about that. Yeah. Cult leaders do that. I've often questioned my own reasons for wanting to write these articles and do these podcasts and do the video vlogs that I put out here into the world. And so much of it is just raw and it's ugly and it's unedited. And it's just like, look, this is how it is. It's not all me just talking about myself and what happened to me. There's lessons to be learned in this. There are things to be uh, uncovered and considered and, um, you know, information to be gathered. Um, but, you know, I share this with full disclosure. I have no shame or stigma. I am not the one who should feel shame. He should be ashamed for what he did and how he treated me. There is no stigma for telling people that I got dumped and discarded. If they don't feel empathy for that, if they don't understand how that's something that people do need to talk about, and they need to talk about the why and the how and all of that kind of stuff, then shame on them. There's nothing wrong with talking about mental illness because, you know, in a way, uh, both my husband and I, we both have things wrong with us. It wasn't just him. I have things wrong with me too. I never said I was perfect. Oh my gosh. I've had the childhood trauma and wounding and toxic scripting and I've had the attachments and and the codependency and the uh, you know the addiction to the abuse cycle and none of those things are normal. But uh I'm willing to name them, stamp them and tell people, yes, we have these things wrong with us. There's no shame or stigma. We say what it is, and then we get to business trying to work to fix it, to heal it, to work on ourselves, because we're sure as heck not having much success working on them, these disordered partners. There's a huge difference between cluster B disorders, what's wrong with our partner, you know, and what's wrong with us. We can heal. We can fill in the blanks and color in the spaces and get well. 
people with cluster B disorder cannot. And if anybody tells you or you read it on the internet or you just want to believe it, you know, it's like fake news. There's two sides to everything and one of them is true and the other one is bullshit. And so when you get to the one that's the fake part, hopefully that there's just going to be something to set it off. Wow, this is not real. So I, I, I also think that part of it is that I want to stand on the rooftops and scream to the universe, hey, this person that seems so perfect and awesome, like you've just struck gold, they seem harmless and innocent and so victimized. There's something else. There is something else going on here. And um, it's deep inside and he's not going to show it. But it is dangerous. It is dangerous. And he is deadly. And, you know, there's part of me that just wants to put that out there to the world and said, hey, you know, look at this. Danger, danger. Remember that Lost in Space show where they had that robot that would flail his arms around and say, danger, danger, Will Robinson. That's kind of where I am with this, um, you know, with this. I think part of me wants to um, warn people, you know, warn the world, you know, this is a person who needs um, to be um, outed. People need to know. I admit what's wrong with me. He should admit what's wrong with him. You know, fair is fair, right? Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably very, um, selfish, petty and crazy, but who's, you know, here again, I I'm working on myself. So that's maybe something that I will at some point face up to it and say, okay, enough of that. You know, it's not my job to put it out there into the world that, that, you know, what happened, the truth, I know the truth and that should be enough. Right. Um, but I do have that tendency to just say, you know, this person, it's like, he's nothing like what he appears to be. It's a mask. It's a deception. Maybe he's even deceived himself. Yeah, I think he has. I, I don't think he has. I know he has. I'm, I'm pretty sure he believes his own magical thinking and delusion and parallel universe and all of just the weird and crazy stuff. He believes it. He believes he can manifest millions of dollars. Okay. He's been gone almost two years. Where is that? You know, if he's making millions of dollars, it's as he's either selling drugs or he's become the next best porn star to hit the internet. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I didn't say that. That was mean, but it's true. If he gets, if he gets a lot of money, I'm going to go with one of those two methods, not through what he thinks he's going to do. So people like this, are capable of such evil and destruction. You can't let them fool you. You have to run away. Um, I think that's probably two to 5% of what I do, but let's get serious here. What really compels me to write articles and do these podcasts and the vlogging and even some of the workshops that I do is because it hurts me to know there are other people who feel the way I do because I know how absolutely just unspeakably horrible this is and it's agony and I don't want anybody to suffer that way. Um, you know, these people, when it happened to me, I was scared and confused. I didn't know what was happening. 
Um, I didn't know what to do about it. And, and just FYI, I'm not one of those people who like, oh, my husband left me, so I'm going to search the internet and try to put a label on what happened to try to make sense of it. Oh, well, he must be a narcissist. And so now I'm going to make a whole thing out of it and, and start a business around that because I'm weird like that. That is not what happened. He had been, we had been in therapy on and off for five years and the last five years of our 15 year marriage and 16 years together, we had to go to therapy because of something really, really, really bad that he did that required going to therapy for both of us together and separately. And, uh, and he was diagnosed as having a personality disorder cluster B. Um, and I have a degree, a master's degree with an emphasis on guidance and counseling. So we studied this in school when I was in college, all these things about mental health, psychology, all that. And so I have the, the, I have the personal experience and I have the educational degree to tell you that he was diagnosed and that there's no question about it. And that this is not just, you know, like a bitter woman venting and trying to assign blame and point fingers and get, you know, be vengeful or, or whatever that that is not at all what this is. And so I want to dispel that uh, idea in case it had crossed your mind. No, that's not um, what happened. The part I do need to work about on about is the part about doing this, that 5%, 4% of me that is motivated by wanting the whole world to know what he is that I do recognize logically cognitively, uh, rationally, that that's not a good reason to do this. I want it to be a hundred percent because I want to help people, but I'm just being honest here, full disclosure, telling you there's that very small percentage that, um, you know, I, you know, I even lay awake at night thinking, you know, it would be cool if all the people in the world who have personality disorders that have been diagnosed and 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 they they have been pronounced as having this thing they should just put a tattoo on their forehead or on their cheek or like you know somewhere on them that marks them as being this defective uh individual that they are i would like to think of a world where we could identify those people who are going to devour us, eat us alive and smile about it the whole time and smirk and, you know, and then just dance off into the night. You know, they're sick. I want to know which ones are the sick ones. Wouldn't that be great if we just knew? And sure, I would let them brand me, tattoo me and say this person, you know, childhood trauma, go ahead, put my little things on there. Yep. Attachment disorder, yep, addicted to uh, cycles of abuse, uh, trauma bonded, and sure, I'll even take a PTSD label. I would like people to know I have it so they can understand why I'm weird sometimes. Maybe I'm in the 
I'm having a flashback or maybe I'm triggered or maybe I'm having a panic attack. It would be nice if I just had PTSD stamped on my forehead. So people would be like, Oh, okay. She's got PTSD. So if that's good enough for me, it should be good enough for him. If I'm willing to take the, the, the little warning label, <laughs> it's a warning label is what this is. This is the craziest conversation, isn't it? I'm going to get back to the point in just a second, but I do like the idea of everybody coming with a warning label. Wouldn't that make it so much easier when you're dating and when you're trying to pick a mate and you're thinking, who do I want to be the father of my children or the mother of my children? And they've got that little mark on them. It could just be a colored dot, like a purple one means this. A pink one means alcoholic, drug addict. Uh, a blue one means depressive disorder, suicidal ideation, uh, maybe an orange one for if they're schizophrenic or paranoid, you know, wouldn't that be neat just to have color keyed little pretty little dots, nothing that's going to be disfiguring or ugly, but just a very simple way to look at somebody and know what, what is their deal? What is, what are they? And yes, I know people are made up of so much more than a diagnosis or a label. However, it would make life very simple and a whole lot safer if we didn't have to go through 15, 16 years with somebody to find out only at the tail end of it that that's what they are because they had you fooled the whole time. Wow, that's a life destroyer. So... Yeah, I have no shame or stigma about telling people my issues. Let's hear what yours are. Let's see what those are. Full disclosure, transparency. You know, when you go shopping, you know what you're getting. You read the label. Huh, I'm all for doing that with people. Okay, I know many of you disagree and you think I'm crazy, but I just had to say something crazy today. Um, and, and that was it. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So let's get back to what we're talking about. Um, when I help other people, it makes me feel stronger and empowered. And if I can help other people understand the aftermath and the recovery from these abusive relationships, then I think I'm closer to wellness and recovery. And I feel that my life has meaning. I kid you not the purpose and meaning in my life. Now my children are grown. My husband abandoned me. All I have is my cat. I think that my purpose is to educate people about this and to give them tools and help and support to help them get past this. And that is my mission probably for the rest of my life. And I'm okay with that. My mission previously was to be a good wife and a good mother, to be a good teacher in the classroom. Now I think this is my new mission. I may not be able to restore relationships that became casualties or collateral damage because of these nefarious deeds from these people, but in warning others and helping them identify what's, what's happening to them and what they're feeling and how to get help. Maybe that can, maybe they can avoid staying with someone who has no soul and be compelled to watch as their every, you know, thing in their relationship and everything that mattered to them is just torpedoed out of existence. Maybe I can save someone 
from wasting 15 or 16 years of their life like I did. If I could have met someone like me, if I, well, how about this? If I had, if I had met me 15 years ago, I would not have been, well, maybe I would have, but hopefully I would not have been staying so long and ruining so many relationships with friends and family because of him. Because by the time he left, I had nothing else. Everything else gone, ruined, contaminated, traumatized, destroyed by him. And I was sick and I stayed and I let him. So let me just tag that on there. It wasn't all his fault. I stayed because there were things wrong with me. And I let him do this because I didn't want to see the signs were there. The red flags were there. Of course they were. I didn't want to look at them. So I guess that's how things like 12 step programs are so successful. You have a gathering of people who become a tribe of people and this tribe, they've all experienced the same thing because they all have uh, a similar thing going on. And so they can fortify one another um and they can listen with empathy and understanding and they can leave the judgment at the door and they can lean in to fight for each other you know everything from alcoholics anonymous to weight watchers works on the same principle it's a safe place it's a healing place and that is what i want to provide for the people who listen to me and read my work and watch my vlog and all of that I want to provide a safe place where there's honesty, there's full disclosure. We're not ashamed to speak what has happened. We're not shamed or feeling stigma to try to keep it quiet and hold it in. Just say it, name it, stamp it, and then let's fix it. Because we can fix ourselves. We cannot fix a person with a cluster B disorder. So uh, I think by doing this, that we can all reclaim some meaning and purpose in our lives. Um, you know, I went through to a lot of those meetings through the years. I went to Al-Anon after my first husband. And um, while there were a few sweet and approachable people in those, on, in those settings, the majority, the majority, displayed a more somber tone. They were veterans of some invisible war. Much of their playful glee and silly frivolity was clearly dampened by whatever demons that they were currently battling. The whole cutie pie routine never seemed appropriate with people like these in settings like that. It wouldn't matter how much the narcopath bats their eyes or shows their dimples because, you know, they're not there to get sugary sweetness. They're there to get healing and sobriety and sanity. Something remarkable happens in those gatherings. You know, it's, it's a fortification in the bones that makes you stand taller and have a sense of earned survivorship that each person, you know, proudly has can wear like a badge. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways to be genuine and authentic in championing other human beings, the ways we sit beside them when they crumble and we show them empathy and patience and prayers, 
the way you drag yourself up and out when you think you have nothing left to give and you show up for others when they need you and when no one else is looking or witnessing your kindness, you know, you just do it anonymously. It's in those moments of fragility and fear that we become brave. The way you silently and, and anonymously perform acts of human kindness and make every attempt to restore the dignity of the broken, shattered heart, that is what makes you brave and strong. The way you always do what you say and you keep your freaking promise, no matter what. The way you never abandon the people that you love or say you love. You never betray them. You never injured them. You never destroy their hope. These are the ways real people can be there for each other. And these are the qualities that matter so much more than sweet words or heartwarming little smiles and all that. When it's real, genuine, and of substance, it is a vow that promises to love one another and to love that other person more than you love yourself. And that, my friends, is something that is beyond what the narcopath can ever understand or ever do. For them, it's all a show. It's all a game. And they must be the white hat, shining armor guy to come in and save the day. That's the role they have to play. But they're not that person. What they want and what they need is always at the center of everything they say and do. And any act of generosity or benevolence, it's an act. They make promises and then they break them. They make hearts melt and then they break them. They may seem sweet, but they are poison. Thank you, guys. I hope you will visit me again soon. Bye-bye.